What's going on, Third Street? It is a pleasure to be with you guys today. Um, as she said, I am Pastor KT. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Third Street, and we are in our third week of Holy and Acceptable. And I thought to myself, um, why should I be the only person to stand up for 35 minutes when all you guys get to uh, sit down the whole time? But in all seriousness, um, I don't, I don't want to be super energetic today. Um, I want to have a serious conversation with you. And I feel like the only way that I can be serious, um, the way that I want to is to sit down. If I walk around, I'm going to get excited. Um, I want to I turn our, our Bibles to John chapter 3. And we are going to, we are going to read verse 16. And only, only verse 16. I give you guys a, a chance to get there. In this third week, today we are talking about relationship. And for the first two weeks and, and for the next couple of weeks, we are talking about uh, our lives being holy and acceptable to God. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world. Um, for the first time uh, yesterday when I was reading this, I, I, I kind of came to the understanding for the first time that it didn't say that he so loved the church or that he so loved Christians or that he so loved Israel, but he loved the world. And that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the weirdest word for me to gravitate to was the word so. In the Greek, this word is used in so many different ways. And it was amazing to me because I just thought the word so only meant so. And one of the, one of the ways that it was used a lot in Matthew is for thus. For thus he beseeched, for thus he did, for this reason, is what it was saying. For God so loved the world, and for this reason, because he loved the world so much, for that specific reason, because he loved us, he was willing to give. He was, he was willing to give his only. He was willing to give from himself. And that's kind of where I want to go today. For this reason, he loved. When our relationships are holy and our relationships are acceptable unto God, I think that it has to come from a place to where I'm not worried about what you're doing all the time. But I'm specifically trying to like lock in on what I'm supposed to be doing on my end. And that's where we are with God. He loved us first. He, he loved us while we were still sinners. And it's, it's a love that is just always willing to sacrifice. A love that's always willing to give. When you have a relationship, there's two things that need to be present in order for that relationship to be holy and acceptable. There has to be love and there has to be sacrifice. If love is not present, sacrifice will not be present and that relationship will not be holy. That relationship will not be acceptable. The Bible says that he loved us so much that he called us what? Friend. He called us into relationship because he loved us 
so much. And wait, what greater love is it than that a friend would do what? Lay down his life, give, sacrifice. And he did that while we were yet sinners. And that brings me to my point for today. And I kind of touched on it last week. And it's about this agape love. It's about this love that's, that's a love feast. It's about this love that's willing to give from within, willing to give its only as uh, John 3.16 says, that, that agape love, that blind love, that love of charity. My first point for the day is, do you love me enough to forgive? God knows that we love him. That's the obvious. Um, I believe a lot of us wouldn't be here today if there was not love. I know my kids love me, but sometimes my kids are selfish. Sometimes they love me, but it comes with some, some, what's the word I'm looking for? It comes with some conditions. It comes with some ifs. And when I don't do what they want me to do, that love, I won't won't go as far as say it's taken away. But it's close. It's definitely a covenant sometimes with my children. And the difference between love and a covenant is when you are in a covenant, a covenant says, if you do, I'll do. Love says, I'll do. Period. Exclamation point. We often want things that only God is supposed to have. And I believe that's where sin comes in. I believe that's where selfishness comes in. When we get into this place where we feel like we're owed something. We feel like the only way that I can give you something is if you give me something back and we, we feel like we owed, we're owed something. And what happens there and the error in that is we get into a place where we're not willing to forgive because I can't forgive you until you give me back what you owe me. One of the errors that I hear verbally a lot when we're talking about forgiveness is I hear people say, I'm never going to forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. There's no way possible that I'm going to forgive them. I can never forgive them for what they did. What we're saying when we say that we're never going to forgive someone is it doesn't matter what their relationship does with God. It doesn't matter if they repent. It doesn't matter if they get back in right standing with God. They'll never be back in right standing with me. Again, that's when we're putting ourselves above God. We're putting ourselves in God's place. And we're saying that forgiveness stops here. So the question I have for you today is, do you love me enough to forgive? In Matthew chapter 18, Peter is talking to God about forgiveness. And there's two titles that I see in Matthew 18. It's the, the first title says, forgiveness of a brother or something to that extent. And then the second title says, let me look at it. Because it's important. The titles are important. If your brother sins against you. That's the first title. If your brother sins against you. And the second title is the parable of the unforgiving servant. 
So when Peter starts off, he says, Lord, like, what do I do if my brother trespasses against me? And I, I wanted to look up what that brother meant. And it literally meant someone that came from the mother's womb. It said literally a one that comes from the mother's womb. So we have to understand that Peter's not talking about just some running, to, like some dude that, that worked with you, some dude that you meet on the street, some guy that disrespects you on the highway. He's talking about somebody that you're close with. He's talking about somebody that's, that, that you, would, you would go into a, to a conversation and say, I love this person. I'm in relationship with this person. And they do me wrong. They, they trespass. Not against you, oh Lord. But what do I do if they trespass against me? Does anybody remember what the Bible says in this, in this, in this, in this scripture right here, Matthew 18? Yeah, he, say, he, says, he says, I want you to forgive them. No, well, well, originally Peter says, do I forgive them seven times? In Amos, uh, in the Old Testament, it says that we are supposed to forgive someone at least three. It says on the fourth time, you can let it go. And then Peter says, all right, Lord, like I know what the word says. I'm supposed to forgive them at least three times. And on the fourth time, I can, ah, but what if I say, should I forgive them seven times? Does anybody remember what Jesus' response was then? He says, he says I'm going to need you to give, give them a 70 times 7. And, 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 and that's used in the Old Testament, I believe, when they're talking about Cain and Abel. And, and, and Jesus or God is talking in that scripture about a number that is infinite, forever. So Jesus responds when we're talking about when we're talking about a brother that trespasses against us is, I want you to forgive them forever. So, of course, Peter was like, well, I got some more questions then. So when you get into the parable of the unforgiving servant. Peter comes and he says, Lord. Well, actually, I, I just got that. I got that mixed up. Give me a second to get it back together. The first part is Peter talking to, the, to, to, to Jesus about the process of forgiveness. And in the process of forgiveness, he says, I'll forgive, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them, give them some time. Then after I give them some time, I'll go back and I'll get two more brothers that know this brother. I'll go through the process of giving them an opportunity to get back right. But there's a difference between trying to get you together and then allowing for you to be in my life. And that's the difference between the two, the two stories that we're talking about. The first story is a story where he's saying, well, what happens if I want to help my brother? And Jesus gives him the blueprint. This is what you need to do if you want to help your brother. But then he gets to a space to where he says, well, what happens if it's starting to affect me? Like, How many times should I let him hurt me? But the word forgiveness that's used right there, it's a dope word for forgiveness because it's actually another Greek word that is not connected to the type of forgiveness that we're talking about that would get someone into heaven and hell. The word forgiveness that is used in this particular part of scripture is talking about a forgiveness that comes from within me. Like, what Peter was saying is like, how often should I be in a space to where I allow for this to affect me and now I am crying out for them? How many times should I allow for them to put me in a place to where I'm praying for them? To where I'm giving from within me when I'm the one that they're actually hurting. I'm not talking about the, the, the conversation that we were talking about earlier when I was saying, how do I help my brother when he is in an issue? Now I'm saying, how often should I allow for my brother's issue to actually affect me?
And this is when Jesus gives him the parable. And this parable is one of the funniest parables of all time. Jesus says there's a dude who owes somebody some money. The person that he owes money to, he owes him this grand amount, amount that he can never pay. So he's worried, he's scared. He feels like this is going to end bad for me. But the person being rich in grace and mercy says, I'm going to forgive you of this grand amount of sins. So then he's forgiven and he walks out and he's great and he's grand and he's happy and he's got all this peace and this joy because he's been forgiven of all of these things. Let's say he was forgiven of a billion dollars worth of sin. Then he sees this dude in the streets that owe him 27 bucks. He goes straight for his throat. Choke him out. Where's my money? I need what you owe me. And the Bible says that the person who forgave this man originally finds out what he did. He puts him in prison. He puts his family into a bind as well. All because he wasn't able to let go of what he felt was owed to him. How many times have not only you, but you and your family been put into a bind because you're not capable of letting go of what you think is owed to you? There's a reason why God says, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. It's not that Jesus is saying, I'm going to withhold this gift. When he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he's not saying that the whole world has not been given Jesus. But people have turned themselves into God, lowercase g's, and they think that they're capital letter g's to a point to where they just don't need what the, what the gift is. They have so much on their plate that they feel like they don't need this plate that God is offering. And this is what God is talking about when he's talking about forgiveness. When we feel like we need what we've been owed so much, it's not that God won't forgive us. It's that we won't take his forgiveness. There will be forgiveness for all of our sins right here. But because of what we want and how we want it, we won't take it. Because we'll be so hurt, broken, questioning, struggling, weak, lacking understanding, wanting more of what's happened to us and us wanting this specific thing from this person, that the forgiveness that God has already set forth for you, you just never take it. Has what happened to you is what happened to you. Is it more important than the forgiveness that God has for you? Are you passing up the billion dollars of forgiveness for the $20 of sin that's been done to you? What does it look like? What does it look like when you interact with the people that have hurt you? Do you feel like you're going to them in love, but everyone else sees you choking them out? You feel like you're handling the situation the best way that you can handle it, but everybody else is like, why is he choking him? 
Again, God is not asking, do you love him? God is not questioning your love for him, but he's asking the question, do you love me more than do you love yourself? Have you become so selfish with what's happened to you in your life that you're choosing you over me? Do you love me enough to pardon what they've done? This is the hard part. Do you love me enough to cry out for them? I, I, I work with a lot of kids in my life, a whole lot of kids. My wife still does. And the stories that we have to encounter for people who are 14, 15, 16, 12, 13, there's some people in this audience that are under the age of 18 that have been, been through more than me, and I'm about to be 40. So when they do something and they're reacting from a place of brokenness and it hurts you in response, are we taking in that, that into consideration and crying out for them or are we just still mad at them because what happened to us? My, my, my main question is, who are you? Why do you feel like you're owed something? David killed Bathsheba's husband, cheated, lied, was lustful, eyes, mind, spirit, put his whole country in danger, put his army in danger, and who did he say he sinned against? He said, Bathsheba, you ain't, you, you, you're nothing. As horrible as what happened to you is, I didn't sin against you. You have no heaven, no hell. You, you haven't given me any, like, we feel like we are God. How dare you sin against me? How dare you do me wrong? How dare you leave me without? How dare you talk to me that way? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to now not give you anything that you think you deserve from me. Have I done the piece of paper thing before? Baby, can you stand up real quick? Yeah, I know, it's disrespectful the way I do you. Stand up, Lauren. No, I want you to. You stand right here. Hey, Tori, stand up and go over there. Baby, turn around. This is God and this is God because he's omniscient. He's capable of being everywhere. This is what we normally do in marriage. Right? Look at me, right? If I did this before, good. If I didn't, you're about to be, you're about to be wild. <laughs> so I normally look at my wife and I say, you're not doing enough, so I'm not going to do nothing. This is, this is what young relationship look like. This is what young marriage looks like. This is what young friendships look like. I'm looking at you to see what I'm going to do in response. And when you're not doing, then I'm not doing. And then she's saying, how dare you even talk about what, what I'm not doing when I've been telling you to do the dishes since 2004. <laughs> so now we're, we're going in a back and forth battle of who's going to do. But I can't see God because I'm so stuck on what she's doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm ordering my steps of love. I'm ordering my steps of forgiveness in accordance to what I see from a human being. But this is what God wants. Turn around, baby. He wants us to be, have our eyes on a loving God. I can't even see what my wife is doing because I'm too focused on God. She can't even see what her husband is doing because she's too focused on God, a perfect God, 
a God that's never done wrong, a God that's perfect, a God that will is perfect. So when I, my eyes are focused on her, it don't matter how she's talking. It don't matter what she's doing. It don't matter how she's behaving. It don't matter how she's reacting. It doesn't matter how good her day is or how bad her day is because my God is too great for me to be acting in any type of way that I feel like I'm owed something. Because the only thing that I can see when I think about what I'm owed is I can think, I can see God's sacrifice. I can see what God was willing to give. I can see how God is willing to love. I can see how God is willing to have patience. I can see how God is long suffering. I can see how God is willing to give me grace and mercy. So what, is my, what does my wife receive? She receives a relationship that is only built upon the God that I see. You guys, you have to see it. I appreciate it. You guys are great, great for my business. Do you love me enough or do you love you more? My point two. Before I get to my point, too, my wife's going to come up. She's going to pray. We are in a huddle series right now where we're on prayer. Our communication with God is the most amazing thing that I could ever imagine. I talked about this before. Um, if we seen LeBron in the, in the airport right now, we wouldn't care if LeBron talked back. Just the simple fact that we got to yell out LeBron. When we got into another circle of community, we would be like, I talked to LeBron today. Why aren't we that excited with the opportunity to talk to God? Even if he don't talk back. He's still God. Just the simple fact that he puts us in, in, in constant ability to say, hey, God. Right? So I want to pray after each point. Amen. Let's look to the Father. God, we admit you. That means we trust you, God, because you are trustworthy, Father. You are faithful. Lord, in Ephesians 4.32, it says, And be kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So, Lord, we stand at the door and we knock, oh, Father. We say, Lord... Lord, that your grace, it is sufficient enough for us, Father. We stand, oh God, in the gap for those, Lord, seeking forgiveness, God. But you don't know what I've been through. I've been molested. I've been hurt. I've been abused. But this grace is sufficient for you. There is purpose in his plan. But you don't understand they robbed me of my sanity. But Father, you stand at the door and you knock and you say, I am here. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, you, you can have it all, Jesus. Lord, we ask, Lord, for forgiveness right now for those, Lord, who have trespassed against us, Lord, as we forgive those, Lord, that we have trespassed against. Lord, let us stand on fertile and firm ground, God, that you are who you are. You are who you say you are going to be. The one who is, who was, and is to come, oh, Father, we stand, God, looking to your kingdom, Father. Because there lies hope, there lies glory, there lies anointing, there lies forgiveness. There lies, Lord, your, your plan, oh, God, for us to prosper. So we pray, Lord, right now, Jesus, that our hearts are turned towards you, Father. That they become mended as one, oh, God, standing with your Holy Spirit, that he does the work within us, God, that when we stand before others, we can say, I forgive you. 
You've hurt me and I forgive you. You look down upon me, but I forgive you. Lord, and we will do all these things in your gracious son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The great thing about forgiveness is, I said this before, I'll say this again. It allows for the other person to get their eyes back on God. Um, when I hurt my wife, I wanted nothing more but to get back in her good graces. So I wasn't focused on God at all because I was trying to receive her forgiveness. And some of us are holding people hostage, not allowing for them to get their eyes back on God because you are their God because you are the person that they've hurt. And they are not David enough to recognize it is, it is you and you alone that I have sinned. Let me move on. My point number two, do you love me enough to say no? The, 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 the first word, the first word on my paper is trust. And that's the first thing that my wife said when she prayed. And uh, this prayer space posture is something that I felt like God would like placed on me right before I came up here. So I, I scattered and asked three people to pray and praise God because right what I wanted to talk about is trust. Do you trust me enough? Do you love me enough to say no to other covenants? You have entered into a covenant with me. Yes, I love you. I gave you my son. We recognize that. I know that. You know that. But me and you are in a covenant and that covenant has this, this back and forth contract of if you do, I'll do. I have promises for you that are lined into your yes to me. How often have you entered into another covenant that does not line up with the covenant that you've entered into with God? And what happens is, we are so thirsty for love that we'll go into one-sided covenants. A covenant is only when two people are giving and receiving. But we're so thirsty to be loved by man and by woman that we'll enter into a one-sided covenant where all we do is give just so the other person will give us appreciation of our giving. And what ends up happening in this type of situation, it's like good soil in a dead tree. The dead tree doesn't know anything but give me, give me, give me. And good soil can't do anything but give, give, give. But what happens when you're connected to a dead tree that does not know how to give you anything back is they turn your good soil into bad soil. Some of us have been wondering why. I know the word has been planted. I know that it was good seed. How do I not see fruit? Because you're connected to so many dead tree relationships that have turned your good soil into bad soil. You've connected to so many bad covenants that don't line up with the covenant of God. That when you get into a situation to where God is actually pouring into your life, putting relationships and people into your life that are actually taking the thumb of God and planting good seed putting you into a community where people are watering, but you have turned yourself 
into bad soil. I'm going to say that two more times so that I make sure that it is embedded correctly. Nobody else is turning you into bad soil. It's you. Nobody else is asking you to root yourself into bad trees. These are decisions that you are making and you are taking away from the richness of yourself. God, why do I keep crying? Because every wind that blows into a dead tree, it only makes that dead tree go deeper into the soil. The dead tree has no thought process but survival. Ooh, I want to go so many places that Corey is going to be mad at me if I go. I'll talk about me. I remember being in relationships when I was in high school where the only expectation was to take. I can remember being in a relationship with a girl who I had no thought process of being with. Told me that her parents told her if she don't stop talking to me, that they're going to stop talking to her. I had no thought process, D.O. as my witness, of ever allowing for this relationship to go past high school. But I needed her because she had a car. My response to her was, well, then you don't need your parents. Young women, there are men out here who are only looking to take. And if you wait 21 years for the old KT to turn into Pastor KT, by the time he becomes Pastor KT, your soil is going to be dead. I'm going to move on. (laughs) Abraham entered into covenant with God. God said, I have promises for you. Then comes Abimelech who says, I want to go into a covenant with you. I have a treaty that's actually going to help you be safe. Abraham looked at the covenant that Abimelech had, and he said, this covenant actually matches the covenant that I have with God. It actually actually lines up because God said he's going to give me this land that I've been an alien in. And now the person who owns the land said, I recognize that God is a God that has been for you. And everything that you touch is working out perfectly for you. So I'm actually going to offer you a covenant to keep you safe in the midst of the covenant that you have with God. That is a holy and acceptable relationship. Someone who comes alongside of you and says, I see the promises that God has over you in your life. And I want to make sure that those promises come forward. How many times have you entered into a relationship that was actually connected to the promises of God? How many times has a dude gotten into your DMs and said, I see the promises of God over your life. And because of the promises that God has, I'm actually willing to come alongside of you and make sure that your promises of God are safe. The next time a dude jumps in your DMs and he ain't talking about the promises of God. Now, let me move on. But this is the issue of jumping into covenant with man. Even if man's covenant lines up with God, what's the next thing to happen to Abraham? See, when we jump into covenant with man, God has to make sure that you still trust me. Abraham wasn't doing nothing but minding his business, doing exactly what God called him to do. And then Abimelech comes trying to add on to what God said. 
Abraham says yes. Not saying he should have said no. I'm just saying he does say yes. And then the Bible says that it actually worked out in Abraham's uh, favor. But then he gets woke up. The next verse, Abraham, here I am. Go sacrifice your son. Let me see if you still trust me. It's the next verse. You can't tell me that us getting into covenant with man is not good. Because anytime you enter into something that is not what God told you to enter into, what God has to do is see if you still trust me. Now I'm going to take away from you what is closest to you. Let me see what your response is going to be. It's only by the blessing of Abraham that he follows it all the way through and he ends up getting a ram in the bush. But what happens to us when God says, give me what you want most? Are we sacrificing with tears in our eyes? I wasn't there, but I can guarantee you Abraham was crying that whole trip. I can guarantee you as he strapped his son down and his son was screaming out, what are you doing? Because I know what a sacrifice is. I've done this with you before. I don't see a sacrifice. How are you going to sacrifice me? With tears in his eyes, Abraham was ready. Is that your posture of sacrifice right now? Do you love him enough to say no? We're going to pray and we're going to move on to, 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 to point three. Well, heavenly, merciful, gracious, and good Father, I ask that in this moment, Lord God, that the things you are calling us to say no to, you would give us grace to say no. You would give us strength. You would give us boldness. You would give us courage to say no so that we can say yes to you. That, Lord God, all of the things in our lives that are keeping us in dead soil, that we can remove those ailments to say yes to your goodness, to say yes to your truth, to say yes to your wholeness, so that we too, Lord God, can say yes to good fruit on good trees. Lord, help us to be holy and acceptable in nine sight so that when we are walking amongst those here on earth, they can look at our lives and say, that's a good tree planted in good soil because they've entered a covenant with you. Lord, may our lives be full, full of the things that bring you glory, that bring you honor. And may you prune the things from our lives that do not. So that, Lord, in our yes, we can have a holy and an acceptable yes that bears much fruit, not only in our lives, not only in our families, but in our community, within our church, and without the world through and large. So that you alone, God, can be glorified, can be high and lifted up as you rightfully deserve, and that we can be a city set upon a hill that when the world looks to us, they see your light shining bright throughout the entire community. In Jesus' name.
Amen. My point three. Do you love me enough to give you only? The Bible says in John 3.16 that he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, I can't remember exactly where it's at, but it says, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, which is your possessions. Love God in a way that you're willing to give from within yourself anything, right? When I was in sixth grade, I fell in love for the first time. It was a long time ago, baby, long time ago, long, long, long time ago. Her name was Laura Belinsky. The fact that I remember her name is going to get me in trouble later. I love this girl. Look into my eyes as I say it. It's just, it was real love. And I told her, I said, I love you. <laughs> I want to give you the world. So I went home and I took my mama's ring. And I brought it to school and I gave it to her. It was in gym class. And I said, I want you to keep this ring. When you look at it, I want you to think of me. I had game when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> but the issue that you, that, you, that you fall in line with this girl was like 12. My, my mom was like 29, 30. So this girl had a 12-year-old finger. <laughs> so the ring didn't fit. A couple days later, she was talking to another guy. So I said, hey, fam. I'm going to need that ring back. Because if you aren't going to honor our covenant, the love that I've given you, see, I need my love back. That's our posture as adults. I gave you some love. And since it didn't fit, if you're not going to give me the same type of love back, like Kevin Hart said, his dad was taking uh, the lights off the Christmas tree <laughs> as he was leaving. How often have we tried to give God love that actually wasn't ours? It was just somebody else's that we were connected to. What am I trying to say? God don't care that you connected to Third Street. You can't get into heaven off of that. 
You can't be like, oh, Lord, look at what Corey's been doing for the community. That's a 30-something-year-old 30, 30 finger that you're trying to, 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 to fit to your finger. You can't utilize what someone else is doing for God as your love. It has to be something that you're willing to give from within you. So I'm going to ask the question, what have you done for me lately? Because I ask for all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your possessions. What have you given me of that all? Is it because you've only been down to your only? And you're not willing to give me that. Why is it that what we feel like we have isn't good enough for God? Candace is the second person that I've ever given something to. As I, as I stated earlier in my conversations, I was a taker. I gave Laura Belinsky a ring. She didn't handle that right. So between 11 and 24, I never gave a girl another thing. <laughs> Dead serious. We ain't going to no movies. We ain't going to dinner. We ain't doing nothing that involves me giving you something. But when I got to Candace, literally, I had a conversation with Dio on like a Tuesday or Wednesday of the perfect woman. Then I met a perfect woman a couple of days later. She matched all the criteria that I was looking for. I ain't even going to tell you what the criteria was. But she matched it to the T. And I was broke. You hear me? Ramen noodles broke. Top ramen. It wasn't even, yeah. Yeah. Only the real ones know what that top ramen is. Right? And all I had was a little bit. And I said, I want to give her something. So I bought her this Dwayne Wade jersey dress. And these red and black Tims. On my mama, she never read, wore them, that, that Dwayne Wade jersey dress. We're going to talk about that. I'm still hurt about that. But I spent everything I had on that jersey and them shoes. So much so that I had to ask a very close friend that's here today if I could borrow some money to get back to the house to even give her the gift. My point is, it worked. You see right here. She ain't wear the dress, but she recognized. Even with the little bit that I was willing, the, the little bit that I had, I was willing to give it all to her. Some of us think that but all I got is my only. And that's not going to be good enough for you. My man had, what, two fish and five loaves? That's all. He had an only. He was in an only type of situation where Laura only, only got two fish, five loaves. It's 5,000 men here, plus women and children. It's a whole community, Lord. Like, Canton is big. It's a lot of people in this church, Lord. Like, all I got is my only. I don't think that my only is enough. I want you to know that God is not trying to take your only just so that he can have your only. Not only is he going to take your only 
and make sure that we are all full off of it, but you're going to be full too. But do you love him enough to trust him with your only? To give him your everything, to give him your all. What God is saying is I'm not here to take your last. I'm not here to take anything. If any of y'all are from around this neighborhood, it's the difference between somebody giving something and it being taken. God ain't never took nothing from us. I'd have been robbed at gunpoint. I know what it feel like to be took, for something to be took. God is not making us throw our hands up and surrender at gunpoint. Our surrender is supposed to be, what's the word I'm looking for? On our own. Yeah, willingly. We're supposed to put our hands up just because. Lord, take it all. You can have everything that I have because I know it's better in your hands than it is in mine. If you got nothing else from everything that I just said, and I've been up here for a while, what I want you to know is that God knows that you love him. Now he wants to see what you're willing to do with that love. Because he wants your relationship to be holy and acceptable, he said it just like this. I can't keep dwelling on the outside of you. Dwelling amongst you is dope. But I have to dwell within you, so I got to go. Has anybody ever thought about the fact that the reason why Jesus was really upset, and I'm not saying this is the truth, this is the say of KT. The reason why Jesus was really upset is the fact that he had to leave his friends and his relationships that he built on earth. Yeah, he knew that he was going to have to go through the crucifixion, the nails, the nails through the hands, the, the, the beard being ripped out, the being spat on, and 39 lashes. Ain't nobody trying to do none of that. But what if his real gripe was the simple fact that I have to leave Peter? I have to leave these people that I have literally grown in relationship with. The ones that I have called friend, I have to leave. But even in the midst of that, he was willing to leave so that they would be better off without him. And he was willing to sacrifice in order for that to happen. That's what we ask him. That's why Corey is up here with a slide on volunteering every Sunday. Yeah, we know it's tough. But that giving, that sacrifice, it means something. And it don't mean something to just Third Street. It means something to God. Promise-keeping Father, we thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you are faithful with our only. Lord, would you help us today to crucify our flesh along with yours? God, you, you came and you gave your only son. You give us so many examples in the Bible of, of Hannah who gave her first son, of the woman who gave the jar of the little boy who had just a couple pieces of bread and some fish, God. 
And when we are faithful to show up with what little we have, when we are faithful to give it unto you, Lord, you multiply it for the many. It's not just for us that we're asked to give, but for our neighbor, for the person next to us who's living in lack. So God, would you help us to look within today? Would you help us to figure out what it is that is our only that we could give unto you as a holy and acceptable offering? God, thank you that you have been writing redemptive stories. Thank you that the people gathered here in this place are truly looking within, are truly asking you, God, what is it? Bring it to my mind. God, would you give us the courage and the bravery to have open hands with everything that you have given us in the first place. And Lord, as we leave from this place, I pray that we would meditate on this word, that you would continually bring it to mind, saying, son, daughter, give me it. Give me it, I'm a safe keeper. Give me it, I'm, I'm the gardener who's coming through. I want to see more fruit, I wanna see you multiply, give it to me. I'm safe, you're safe with me, you're okay and all will be well. God, you're good. We praise you for your goodness, and we praise you that you've invited us into this story that you're writing. It's in your son, Jesus' name, that we all pray. Amen. <laughs>